You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am your host, Derek, and I have my co-host, Ryan, here with me. Hello. Hello. Nice little slow wave there. Yeah, all you all you audio people are really going to love that. Yeah, we're going to do lots of visual things for those just listening. But yes. You, you can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on other social media outlets like Facebook, for example. That's true. Yeah. But uh, who are we? we? We are the Coming of Cage podcast where we talk about Nicolas Cage movies. All of them. Every single one of them will be discussed on this show at some point. And we pick our movies based on our wheelo cage where we spin and it tells us which Nicolas Cage movie we're going to be talking about. This week's a little different. We right, also spe- do specialized bingo um, that that we came up with on our own during the movies. You mean Cajo? Cajo. It's a separate separate video. So if you're looking for those, go some go to go to our YouTube channel. But yeah. Yeah, totally separate. You can go to comingofcage.com to find all the, the cool bonus content we have. Wheel of Cage, Cajo, all those types of things. But Ryan, I thought you might want to tell people why this particular episode is a little different than usual. Yeah, it's a little bit of a weird one because we picked last week. So there's a lot of things on IMDb, or not a lot. There's several projects on IMDb for Nicholas, Mr. Cage, our one true God and Savior, that... um. <laughs> aren't really something that we could discuss for an hour give or take like you know what we would be talking about this week for the most part is a full movie but what we ran on the uh wheel was a weird kind of cameo trailer inside of another movie um and so it's about it's like a two minute long video and he's in it for about 15 seconds uh so Obviously, we can't fill a whole episode with that. So we're also doing a full movie. We did the wheel a second time. Bonus bonus spin last week. Bonus and, spin. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about two things. And it'll be the length of one thing. That's right. Because we don't have much to say about the first thing. So the first thing is 2007's Werewolf Women of the SS, which, as Ryan says, is a fake trailer inside of the movie Grindhouse. So we're going to talk about that briefly before we move on to 1998's film, City of Angels, which is a full-length feature film that Nick Cage co-stars. Uh, so Werewolf Women of the SS. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, it's a trailer about Nazi ploitation films, I guess, were a thing. I didn't know that those were a thing. I guess maybe in Germany, I'm sure they were, uh, but they I'm not familiar with that. And yeah, he plays uh, arguably a somewhat offensive character. Uh, right. Fu Manchu. He's got, yeah, he's, he's dressed up and, and all those types of things. I couldn't, he has one line of dialogue. I couldn't even make it out. I'm pretty sure he just says Fu Manchu. Oh, okay. He just says his name and then yep. he laughs maniacally. Um He's very cagey in the 10 seconds that we get to see him. But uh, yeah, kind of an odd, strange role. He's introduced as like Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu in the trailer. He's the only person that's really introduced by name like that. Um, Thoughts, Ryan? 
I mean, it was seemed offensive to me, but I think that was kind of the point. Yeah. Um, it was fine. I mean, they, 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 they just needed him to be really cagey for like 12 seconds. <laughs> and that was clearly not a problem for him. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it it is made by Rob Zombie. The trailer is made by Rob Zombie. His wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, she stars in it alongside uh, Nick Cage there. And that's probably all there is of note in the whole thing. So that's it. Yeah, that's it. Good talk. Okay, oh. that's one movie off our list. We got it. All right, moving on. <laughs> all right, so now we got the real movie. The real movie is City of Angels, 1998 film uh, starring, of course, Nicolas Cage, but also Meg Ryan and Andre Brower and Dennis Franz. That's the the top four billing people and probably the only four people the average person is going to recognize in in the film, I would imagine anyway, at least for most most people. Yeah. Uh, An angel on earth, a doctor unable to believe, a patient with a secret, a love story made in heaven. Had you seen this before? So I thought I had, but no. Me too. Okay, That's so funny. that brings me to what I kind of wanted to talk about something real quick before this, before we get deep into this movie. In the nineties, this is something I've thought about as an adult, and this kind of brought it to light. For some reason, there was like this surge of angel movies. Mm-hmm. Is that something you noticed? You had like uh, Michael. Yeah, Michael. My parents loved that movie. It's it is a good movie. It holds up even today. John Travolta um heart and souls i forgot about that one uh angels in the outfield classic christopher yeah i mean that's that's just touching the surface but for some reason angels were really popular in the 90s yeah i don't know what that was about um but it it hasn't been the same way since then we haven't really gotten a good angel movie in a long time no not at all uh kind of a strange strange situation and this one i really thought i had seen it i really did but it's easy to get confused, right? When you think of like Heart and Souls, there's similar things going on in that movie. Um, you know, th- uh, there's a lot of angel movies and, you know, it's easy to get confused, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I even brought up Michael, which is the John Travolta angel film, because I made a comment about how, you know, it's probably a good thing that these angels in City of Angels don't have wings like John Travolta did. Right. That was <laughs> actually a great part of that movie. I loved the wings of course he did yeah because they were like practical they were practical and they were like they they kind of told you how michael was feeling in any given moment you know either they were extended or they weren't extended or like the feathers were falling off things like that um but yeah it's this is not michael this is a much different movie um so yeah i guess we can get right into it uh i'll say right out of the gate i did enjoy this movie i see why people like this movie but it's definitely not what I expected, and it's definitely not a typical Nick Cage movie. I actually like got part of the way through this movie and thought we weren't going to get even a single square yeah. on on Cajo, bingo. It, it's sparse this week for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's cutesy, it's romantic, but is it really? Because it, it loses like, it me. takes some twists. Yeah, it does lose um, me. We'll talk like... about that for sure. But like, yeah later in the movie there's it's kind of like return of the king where there's 17 different possible places it could have ended <laughs> and been a better movie yeah yeah but what one cool takeaway is uh the goo goo dolls wrote that that song for this movie what song the yeah uh that 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 song 
I don't know what you're saying. Can you sing some lyrics? Understand. That's not... Oh. Everything's made to be broken, you know. That's not really singing. That's more speaking. But yeah, yeah I, I, I get what you're trying I don't to know say. If, I don't know if you know this about me, but my singing career was short-lived in that it's non-existent. Yeah, when you were a boy band in the 90s. A bo- yeah. Mm-hmm. You were the singer, so lone member of a boy band. I was anyway. the fourth member of Hanson. Okay, so we get into right in the beginning. I already forgot a lot of this movie, by the way. I remember a good portion of it, but like I'm looking at some of these notes going, I, I don't remember the specifics. I remember the, you know, like overall picture, but um, there's a kid. There's a kid. And the kid dies. Yeah. Right. Really like sad, right out of the gate. This isn't okay. like the first like two minutes of the movie. Um, my first note was that there was a reference to that famous painting with like the fingers touching. Because oh. the kid like reaches out his finger and, yeah. and uh, Nick kind of reaches his finger out. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what they were going for that. Although in the painting, was it like an angel and uh, and like a human? Well, it's God. Oh, it's God. Okay, so yeah. there, that's what they were going for. It's kind of on the nose chapel. in that case. Yeah. Yes. So it's a little th- on the nose in that case. I think it's also supposed to show, because this comes in later in the movie, that she sees him. So Nick, Seth is an angel. Right. Seth right. Plate. Uh, Seth Plate, right. <laughs> um, w- Susan can see him as she is nearing her death. Yeah. So Nick Cage basically watches this kid die. Yeah. Um, and he's, this is kind of just setting up the angel verse for the movie, right? Like the rules yeah. of the angel verse. You're just kind of getting a crash course in what this world is. Because all the different 90s movies you mentioned michael and, and some of the others they all had different rules for their angels sure yeah you know um and this one was no you know no different it had its own things going on um so when the when nick cage is walking away with the kid he's talking to the kid he said the kid's like is my mo- mommy and daddy coming too and he and basically they were trying to break derek's heart right away first five minutes of the movie they were trying to make go make derek go i'm done with this movie already <laughs> um but then Apparently, uh, Seth, Nick Cage's character, likes to ask kids what they liked best. Yeah, well, no, every, he asks everybody. Everybody, not just kids. But in this case, we see it in a kid. And this kid says pajamas. Which she's which, wearing, by the way. Me too, kid. I love pajamas are amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's the opening scene. There's some heavy Look, stuff in this movie. There is. There's also some weird consent issues, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um. And then we get introduced to Andre Brower's character, Cassiel. Cassiel, yeah. Um, and so my next note was Captain Holt, because I love him. He is also an angel. Yes, he's also an angel. He is also not Captain Holt in this. Captain Holt as an angel, but maybe, it's the same actor. Maybe he becomes Captain Holt when he chooses to fall. To fall, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're getting ahead, okay? Calm down. <laughs> um, so we get the first of many scenes where we get the best of the best green screen the 90s had to offer because apparently one of the rules in this universe is that angels have to sit on the highest possible platform that they can find overlooking everything only some of the time though so the rest of the time they're leering over the backs of people but much of the time is spent just like sitting on road signs or you know skyscrapers or whatever but in this case it was a road sign uh-huh well and, and, and just real quick there are too many like helicopter shots in this movie there's a lot of helicopter shots yeah 
too there many. Are. Just too many. They were big in the nineties. Now it's drone shots. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's just been one swap to the other at this point. It's a smaller helicopter. Uh, but yeah, there's some really bad green screen of them sitting oh. on a on a sign. It's not believable at all. It gets worse the further the camera pans out from them. Uh, because then they just like look out, it look like a little cutout mm-hmm. on top of the highway. But uh yeah, they're they're clearly friends, you know. Um Let's see, what's my next one? Oh, yeah. Nick Cage hugging people and smiling. So I'll say that this this Nick Cage role, I've already said this is very different than a lot of his movies. In a lot of ways, uh, I like his performance in this movie better than a lot of his other movies because he got to be something that we haven't seen yet. And we might not see again in all these movies is that he's basically a cinnamon roll of a person that has no idea about anything. And he's just really happy, mm-hmm. even though he's dealing with like really serious things like uh, the the little girl dying and people dying. He he's really happy to be the person that gets to or the angel that gets to take them to the next stage of their life. He He really loves being there for people. Mm-hmm. And he's he, he loves learning about people and just being around them. And so a lot of the movie he spends kind of, I say leering, but I don't mean it in like the creepy sense. He's kind of just hanging out behind people with like this wide-eyed wonderment and just happiness, even in bad situations for, for a lot of it. Um, and I thought that was really great, actually. It was, we haven't really gotten to see like, what what Nick Cage would act, this is gonna sound weird, but what Nick Cage would act like if he didn't know anything about the world or was just learning, like if he was a newborn. Mm-hmm. This was this was kind of like if he was playing a newborn baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's a a really great summation of it. It's it is a very different role because typically he is not just the lead in these movies that we're watching, but he's a leader in the right. movies that we're watching, right? And tends to be a more violent movie right most of his movies include some kind of violence uh whether it's gang stuff or whatever uh this doesn't really have any of that he is a completely different type of person here and it is it is really cool to see him take on this softer role Mm -hmm. you know he's not trying to be mr tough guy he doesn't need to be mr tough guy yeah this isn't an action flick like this is He's he was this he was brought into this movie. I'm assuming for his general charisma because I think I have it in one of my notes later. But this is like peak charisma for Nick Cage in this movie. He he's just so likable, so lovable. I would even go so far as to say he's just you know you he he's really like yeah you you feel like you're friends with him in this movie. He did a you know he, they brought him in for a very specific reason that was much different than a lot of his other roles, and I liked that so. They gave him a chance, you know, because I don't and all the movies we've watched, like I said, we haven't seen a performance like this, but this was definitely good for him to stretch his acting chops. I agree. And interesting. Apparently, Johnny Depp was the first choice for this. Role. Mm, that would have been a much different movie. I think so. I think yeah. so. Although, I mean, he can bring some like wide eyed wonderment too. I mean, as well, he's he's pretty good at that. I mean. Look at Edward Scissorhands. He was kind of a newborn, sure. you know, looking into this world and learning about things. But yeah, I definitely think it would have been a different movie. He has a different kind of charisma, I think, than Nick Cage does. But yeah, 
Um, so yeah, there's a lot of that kind of like just Nick Cage hovering over somebody, just smiling and radiating like warmth. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. The first part of this movie that's there's a lot of that. Um, so then we get this weird scene on the beach where some of the angels are in like are like standing on the roofs of buildings on the beach, and some are on the sand, and yeah. there's. They're listening to basically the music of the sunrise, and they do this apparently every morning. Every morning, all the ain't. Although, okay, we see a lot of angels in this movie. It's not all. There's no way that's every angel because there's there's not that many angels there realistically. No, I mean the way I took it is that angels are kind of stationed to specific geographic areas. Gotcha. Because... So this is like a regional meeting. Right, exactly. These are the whatever county or you know, yeah, they're, in. they're assigned, yeah, they use human uh counties to measure exactly where their lines are. Yeah, you know, these angels are East LA, these angels are Hollywood, right? This, you know, Compton Angels, right? Yeah, Anaheim, right? Uh, <laughs> so then we, we get... see a lot of the same ones, they all kind of congregate to the same areas over and over. And That's I, true. There's no reason to think that this there's not other angels in other cities. It's also a little right. unclear about how angels are uh, like assigned to people. It seems like they have some freedom because you yes. see Nick Cage's character help people that he never sees again in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's inter- it, it's interesting. The you know? wor- the workings of the angels as like a like a, like as far as like their operations are concerned is completely kind of in the background. Yeah, and there's so many angels in this movie. If you haven't seen it, that like it, it's almost like this one person, one angel per person. Like everybody has their own individual angel. It, there's scenes in like a library where every single person in the library has an angel standing over them. So when we talk about these angels, there's a lot of these angels. It's not just a few covering an area. It's almost every single person has their own. It kind of reminded me of the whole Agent Smith thing in Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. Yeah, because they dressed. all wear the same thing. Yeah, they're wearing these black clothes and these black long, you know, jackets and everything. They all look ex- and they're all peering out together. They move kind of like as one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like a hive mind type yeah. of situation. Exactly. Uh so then we get after the weird angel gathering on the beach, um, we get our introduction to Meg Ryan in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Maggie. Uh so Doctor Maggie. Doctor Doctor Ma- I'm yeah, okay. I don't think she's actually earned her doctorate, so I, I will not be referring to Meg, Meg Ryan as doctor, but, you know, honorary doctor, maybe. No, Dr. Maggie, the character. The character is Dr. Maggie, yes, which who has earned her doctorate, I believe. <laughs> I hope so. Um, <laughs> so they have this patient in there, and this patient asks to see her before the surgery. Yep. <clears throat> like, the nurse makes it in, it's a big thing, he wants to see you before the surgery. So Meg Ryan just walks into this room, stares at him for like two minutes, doesn't say anything, and walks out. But the way she's framed from his perspective, because you kind of see her from his perspective, the person that's getting worked on or getting ready to get surgery, and it's kind of, she's like backlit like an angel, um, which is a little, again, on the nose, but even though she's not an angel in this movie, so I guess not really on the nose, but they try to use a lot of like heavenly imagery. It's a little heavy-handed. I'm not really sure what that scene was for other yeah, than... Yeah, she just to, stares at him. It's, I think it's meant to increase the weight of the situation, given what happens. I guess. 
you know, forces her to be even more connected to this person, which, you know, if you, if you talk to surgeons there, you know, or, or, you know, any, you know, anything about surgeons, they tend to want to be somewhat detached because it, it is very hard, right. If you feel every death, like it's a family member or a friend, right. Like that's a good way to break down and, and everything like that. So I think that was supposed to bring her closer to the situation. Right. I agree. Uh, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of anyway, because it was a weird scene without if that's not the case. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, we get into the surgery room where she the, where she's uh, performing the surgery. And so the rule about angels in this movie, um, which they already kind of defined by this point in the movie, but we didn't really touch on was that uh, angels choose whether they're seen by people mm-hmm. and by who at any given time. So, so in the scene, you we see the audience sees Nick Cage's character standing there, watching, mm-hmm. but nobody else in this operating room has any idea that he's there. Right. And so he, at one point, I think things start going south, and so she's doing like CP, not really CPR. She basically cuts his chest open and starts like squeezing his heart. She's massaging it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he walks up and like looks at her and she looks and appears to stare directly at him and that freaks him out mm-hmm. um did you understand it that when he chooses to be seen it's only for specific people because does that mean then like when meg ryan's like hanging out with them and stuff like that later that like people think she's talking to nobody maybe i mean i don't think it's i don't think it's very clear interesting okay um yeah so then the guy dies um and you know nick accompanies him away assumedly right yeah um I, my next note was i hope when i die nick cage can accompany to me whatever to whatever is next <laughs> i don't really believe personally in an afterlife but if there is one this movie convinced me that that's how I would want to be walked because he just was i i've already said it we both already said it but he was really the like delightful in this movie in terms of like his just sheer charisma and like ability mm-hmm. so which he's you don't always comforting. get that no. yes you don't always get that from nick you know a lot of his movies he's very abrasive or you know just not the nicest guy but in this movie he seems like just a really genuine nice guy like mm-hmm. you know a cinnamon roll that you just want to hug um <laughs> but yeah so that was my next note yeah and i still feel that way uh I put in my next note was is hanging out above buildings a job requirement for angels? Yes, because there's like literally there's pan there's panning shots, helicopter shots like Derek talked about over the city, like in the evening, and it's all angels on every rooftop. You don't see any on the street, but they're all on all the rooftops, just like hanging out. I guess it was supposed to represent the fact that you know they would have wings theoretically right and they could fly and so they're higher up or they're a higher i just took it as they could teleport they could teleport wherever they want because in the movie you do see him like appear in different places very quickly and wings wouldn't necessarily be able to make you move that fast that's true and casil makes a comment about or maybe maybe it was nathaniel makes a comment about how they can move at the speed of light oh did you say that i missed one of them does i I forget okay yeah so there, there's a scene shortly after this where Meg Ryan is in the like locker room, 
or I think she's in a locker room. I don't know. But basically, another yeah, doctor comes in, and it turns out they're sleeping together. Jordan Ferris. Yes, that they're sleeping together, and uh, Nick Cage's characters uh, just kind of standing there watching the drama between the two of them. Because now, now that she's looked at him, even though she wasn't actually looking at him or seeing him, well, which is actually that's kind of ambiguous. I don't think she did. She didn't see him. I don't but, think she saw him. Um, you know, he's convinced that she did, and so he starts following her around, which is a little questionable. But you know, it was the nineties. It was a different time. Um, and then we see him go to the library, or she goes to the library, and he shows up there. And there's just angels everywhere in this everywhere. library. People are sitting at the tables reading books, and uh, you know the angels are just hanging out over them, watching them read, including Seth, Nick Cage's character, is just kind of wandering through the library, and he like a, a one guy leaves a book there by Ernest Hemingway, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he uh, steals that book, I guess, from the library and gives it to um, Maggie. At yeah. some point, it ends up on her nightstand. That's all very unclear to me, too, because that means, so what then? Was was he, is he able to incorporate that into, like, his kind of veil that no one else can see through? Or is there just, like, a, a book floating down the street? Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe. They can move at the speed of light, so maybe you can't see the, the book floating. Maybe that's what happened, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's left very wide open. Um, then we get some Ben and Cherry's product placement. With uh, the there's another guy that is getting surgery, oh, right? Nathaniel. And he's just stuffing his face with uh, Ben and Cherry's ice cream. And he tries to, when when the nurse and doctor, or when his wife and doctor start, the doctor start coming in, he hides it under his blanket, but then it falls out, of course. And they're like, Why are you eating ice cream? You should be getting better, or whatever. I guess well, he's no, getting he's... a heart valve yeah. transplant, they're something like it. that. Because they had to cancel the procedure because she's all shook. The big the big thing in the beginning of this movie is that Meg Ryan's character, Dr. Rice, is kind of shaken from losing a patient on her table. She doesn't yeah. lose people on her table. That's something she says multiple right. times. Right. And she's, she's obsessed with the fact that she did everything right. And it didn't work. And it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she she's kind of at a loss as to why the person died. She doesn't understand why they died. Because she did everything right. There's not nothing went wrong. There's no reason why it should have happened. And so she's a huge wreck. So Jordan Ferris, and because he's like on the board or committee or something, whatever, reviewing things, they postponed her per- next procedure, which is for Nathaniel Messinger. Messenger, right. Messinger, whatever his it's name Messinger. is. It's they, they, they Messinger. Make, they have a point in the movie where they say that it's a hard G. Because somebody calls a messenger and he says, no, it's a hard G. Well, that would be uh, a, hard, a hard G, would be messenger. Oh, they say it's not a hard G. That's something like that. It's Messinger. It's Messinger. Okay. Yes, because Messinger was a little too on the nose. Too on... <laughs> um, so that, so we get an introduction to a, to a to a dumpster baby at this point, which reminded me of uh, Always Sunny for my Always Sunny fans out there. But why did it um, have to be like? There is no reason that this has to be a dumpster baby because it doesn't mean anything. It just makes it more sad. They were just, right? They were trying to hit every emotion that they possibly God. could in this movie. Well, it can't just they be were a trying sick to hit baby. pure sadness. But like, why movie. can't it just be a sad baby? We can't just feel it bad was, for the baby. Well, it's you're, be a well they want baby. you. Yeah, they want you to feel really sad. So yeah, she goes to like this nursery, which is apparently a place she goes to kind of just be with her emotions because she's surrounded by 
newness and innocence, I guess. Well, she's, and she's, she's trying friends to with also the hide from Miss Messinger. Right. Right. Who is harassing her about why the surgery didn't happen and everything else. But uh, then there's this baby in there that's constantly crying. And her friend that's also a nurse or a doctor. I can't remember. She's a doctor. She's a doctor. She's a pediatrician. Is in there. And uh, yeah, this baby just won't stop crying. They can't figure out why. And then she goes to this whole story about how it was found in a dumpster and abandoned. And it just makes you feel even worse. And the baby's all red and like crying all the time. Yeah, it was sad. Um, Depressing. Big time. And then my next note says, are you in despair? Uh, in quotes, because I think Nick Cage says that to somebody. I don't remember. I think he says that this is the first time that he talks to maggie oh when he reveals himself for the first time yes mm. i believe yeah because he's talking to maggie it's kind of hard to describe but like i said like a newborn would like he's doesn't really understand like he understands people but he doesn't really understand the human world well he doesn't really understand emotion he doesn't know yeah because he doesn't feel or touch or taste or... well he says he doesn't feel like it's implied he doesn't feel emotion but he feels love and happiness so i mean i guess he does feel emotion but maybe not he doesn't really feel sadness or despair or you know any kind of negative emotions he just knows that they exist Mm -hmm. uh anyway it was a good well delivered line by nick cage when he asked if if they're in despair um there's another good line that i have for my next note some things are true whether you believe in them or not um you know people choose what they believe (laughs) So this is just a funny personal thing. This this weekend I watched this and I also coincidentally watched Dogma in which Chris Rock has the exact same line. <laughs> what year did Dogma come out? Uh 2001. So after this movie for sure. I think 99. I'm sorry. 99. 1 year after this movie. So that so that they didn't take inspiration from this movie because there's no way they would have seen this movie and then written Dogma and then filmed Dogma and still had it come out less than a year later. Right? So, so, but that yeah. is funny. Yeah. Um, I had an oddly religious weekend. <laughs> apparently, I'm trying to read my next note. It says, "Awkward Nick Cage watching bath." Oh, yes. Okay, so she takes a bath. It shows her at her house, and she's like spread eagle in this bath, and just like seductively like rubbing herself. Not necessarily her womanly parts, but like her upper shoulder area she's like just kind of rubbing her it's skin a sensual scene yes. yes and that's this is something we also haven't established is that angels can hear people's thoughts yeah in if any they choose language, to by the way and dog's thoughts we find out later but oh, yeah um yes they can hear everybody's thoughts and so <laughs> nick cage in this point i would say is leering in the negative way over her he's followed her to her house and she's having this private bath and thinking about how hot Nick Cage was. Right? Like, she's thinking about how mysterious he is and how hot that is and blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of implied that, you know, this is a very personal, private moment. It's just so... It's very And he's awkward. watching. He's watching yeah. it. But, like, the way they meet is also very strange because, like, he meets her in the hotel late at night after visiting hours. She thinks he's a friend of Messinger. But he's obviously like, but he's not like, it's just, it's all very, 
I don't understand why she trusts him so quickly, unless it's just supposed to be, well, he's an angel. So it's just innate that she should trust him. But I feel like she's a little too trusting here. So I don't, if you're a listener to this, you should know that that Derek and I did a podcast before called screen heroes. And we have a group on Facebook called uh, screen heroes group forum, whatever, where we talk, <laughs> we share memes and stuff, you know, just fun to discuss movies and TV shows, things like that. And something that got shared earlier this week was talking about how um, good looking people get away with so much more in movies than they should in real life. And that there was a Danny DeVito rule, which is that if you replace the main character with Danny DeVito and whatever that person was doing is now creepy, then that means that whatever that per that person should not have gotten away with whatever they were doing. And this movie has several moments like that, where if you replace Nick Cage with Danny DeVito, it would be way creepier and way worse and he should not have, and, and including she would not have trusted him that quickly if this was danny devito it just seems mean you know what i'm danny saying devito it's he embraces he literally did a movie called twins I where know. he he quotes saying that he's the leftover crap after julius got all the good stuff so i think that he's okay with this everybody keeps saying it's mean to danny devito <laughs> He play that's what the role he's been playing for 30 years or more. I know, I know, but he's a good guy. You, you can know? absolutely be a good guy and be, you know, not not the most handsome person in the world. Right? Fair enough. Nobody's that's... saying that. I, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. I certainly love his work, but it's you know, just a way of visualizing something that's a lot of people can visualize a specific person. But yes, in this case. I think that he first of all is the nineties and rom-coms, which is what this seems like it is at this point in the movie. Um, the, the men in rom-coms in the nineties did a lot of things that should never have yeah. happened. And they got away with a lot more and women trusted them immediately. It's kind of a trope of the nineties is that, you know, so I'm, I didn't have as big of a problem with that because, you know, I lived in the nineties and I saw those movies. So I understand that this is how it was then. And, yeah, nowadays I would require more explanation as to why she's trusting this person. But yeah, given the time frame that this movie was made in, I get it. You know, he he also is just a really charismatic guy, and even in real life, people that have high charisma like that, people will just flock to uh, and and give them more information than maybe they deserve to have. That's true. I've seen it happen, yeah. and so you know, I'm sure you have too. So yeah, I mean it. That's true. It's not 100% believable, but I can see why they went that way with it. Um, anyway, my next note is rooftop basketball. Because there's a scene where there's apparently yeah. on the roof, there's a basketball court of a on hospital. The, but it's it's on the helicopter pad. The, yeah. land, the emergency helicopter medical There's a basketball pad. court, yeah. They've got a hoop. Wh and what? so she's out there with uh, the guy, that, the doctor that she's boning. And... Yeah, they're having a discussion. And my next note was smoking doctor because he's this was the 90s and everybody had to smoke except Nick Cage. He didn't smoke in this movie, but uh, uh, he does know. in one scene. Does he? In the diner. There's a diner scene where he's sitting next to some guy and they're both smoking. Hmm. I, I must I must have been writing a note when that scene happened because yeah. I don't remember that one. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, smoking. We, we, we talk about that Tons in the 90s and 80s movies that we review on the show a lot. The dude's smoking um, while playing basketball. It's yeah, just so as a doctor. Like, He's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Surrounded by other doctors, having sex with a third doctor. I mean, it's <laughs> it's all, you know, like he should know better at this point. Um, 
so yeah, then we get the next Nick Cage library scene. And at this point, it's revealed that Maggie read the whole book that he left on her nightstand that she didn't think was weird at all that Ernest Hemingway's book just showed up on her nightstand. Well, no, because she thought that the doctor, Jordan Ferris, left it. Right, but he says that he didn't. Then she's confused at that point, but... But yeah, so she's in the Ernest Hemingway section of the library. Well, so he goes... I just want... This this just drove me nuts for some reason. So she goes in there and she brings the book to the front desk and she's like, can you tell me who checked this out? And the guy's like, well, I can't tell you who, but I can tell you when whatever as if that's helpful right but she wants that information apparently and he goes give me five minutes and then he scans the book now look i know it's 1998 but what's taking five minutes after scanning the book it's one thing if he was busy and he was going to get to the book but Derek clearly never worked on a database in the 90s i checked out books in from school in the 90s you scanned the barcode and that's it it took it took two seconds yeah, but he wasn't checking a book out. He was trying to get information about the history of that five, particular book. The last had to search time a database. Out. That was it. For five anyway, minutes, I don't buy it. Well, he's taking a break too. Give him a break. He's a, he's a library guy. He's working hard. Anyway, he 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 reveals himself to her again, and she asks him a bunch of personal questions. At some point, she asks him what he does, like for a job, and he just says, "I'm a messenger of God." And that's okay. That's perfect. She's okay with that answer it's a, it's just all good <laughs> it's all good yeah and so yeah my next note is that there's some weird consent issues in this movie so something that's shown throughout the movie to this point is not only like reading people's thoughts which brings up a consent issue right there because you know people are not consenting to you thinking about or listening to what they're thinking about that's an invasion of privacy but then also the angels touch people and give them like warm feelings Mm-hmm. And so it brings up some weird issues throughout this movie where Nick Cage is touching Meg Ryan's character. I mean, it, it, this is complicated because they're not human. They're supposed to be there to help guide us, right? The whole guardian angel concept, right? They're, they're guiding us, they're steadying us, and they're leading us, quote, quote unquote, to heaven when we die. So I'm not sure that that, fits in the normal category of if it was you or me performing those actions well but okay there's a scene later where meg ryan is lying in bed oh he he takes it too far for sure yes yes but i think she's like she's like just just stay here until i sleep and he takes that as let's full-on spoon and like has her like completely wrapped in it he's the big spoon and he's like rubbing her I yeah, don't no, think that's necessarily what she was talking about, but he, yeah. he takes it too far. But I think the general, like what the other angels are doing, like in the library or whatever, or like in the convenience store when the yeah, they're like touching happens. people's shoulders. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, I'm talking about consent issues specifically with Nick Cage's character. Oh, yeah, he goes he goes too far. Yeah, in several scenes, and we haven't gotten that far in the movie yet. But yeah, that stuff like that does happen later, and it gets a little weird. Um, my next note is grocery shopping with an angel. I don't remember what that's in reference yeah. to. She she goes, she, he, he wants to do something with her. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, anything. And then they cut to her. Oh, they go to a shopping. market. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, have you noticed there's been a lot of grocery shopping scenes in Nick Cage movies? <laughs> there have been, huh? That's Seriously. Yeah. Like, I remember that one where there's like the shootout in front of the grocery store while they're grocery shopping. Remember when he was playing like an ex? Was that Dog Eat Dog? That was Dog Eat Dog. 
there's been a lot of shopping scenes yeah, in these dog movies. Eat dog, of course, you've got the one in uh, uh, Las uh, Vegas, and, and you've got the one in uh, what's the one where he's prote- Secret Service? Secret Service. Oh, Protecting. oh, uh, yeah, the hilarious one where um, she's like, uh, "What the peas are?" Oh my god! Three. Like, I can't remember yeah. the name of that movie. That uh, Guarding Tess. Guarding, Guarding Tess. Tess. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of groceries. Maybe we need to add that as another swappable uh, tile in our bingo cards. <laughs> Nick goes grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it seems <laughs> to happen a lot. Um, okay. And he wants her to explain what the pear tastes like. Yes. Which is yeah. How do you explain taste to somebody that can't taste? Or how do you explain smell to somebody that can't smell? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's tough. Um, So then she, they, like, continue this date, and she takes him to the lab of the hospital and is trying to teach science. Yeah, She's trying to take his blood, first of all, which is not something you do on, like, a first date, but... uh, it reminded me of that scene in Parks and Rec with the guy that's like, I'm offering you a free sonogram or whatever it was. <laughs> Not a sonogram, scan, but yeah. body scan. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. This would normally cost you thousands yeah. of dollars. <laughs> you got a nice oven in there, you know? Like, oh my God. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. She's, but she, so she tries to take his blood so they can look at it under a microscope. But uh, yeah, she's trying to teach science to a heavenly body, essentially, which seems a little weird. But, you know, then she gets called out. For an emergency or something and he disappears again i did think it was weird my next note is that she doesn't think it's odd that a grown-ass man is asking questions that a child that a child would ask yeah it, it is it is a little strange because she doesn't ever like she doesn't believe that he's an angel at this point yet right but she's fine with all of the questioning and that's kind of what goes back to what I was saying earlier, like how quickly she's trusting and stuff. Like he just keeps popping up places when she's there. She yeah. never questions that he's asking these extremely strange questions for an adult to ask, even for a kid to ask. It's a little strange right. to ask some of these questions and she's just rolling with it. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that she's at a point in her life where she's looking for something and so maybe she's willing to like you know there's a lot of people out there that will see red flags and just ignore them because they want something but she's that is possible that person she's with but she isn't satisfied it's shown that several times that she's not you know satisfied by their relationship um yeah uh so my next one is random guy talks to angel i don't know remember what that was in reference to oh okay so this is the first time so uh Seth shows up into messengers or messenger's oh. room and we don't know who he is at this point. No, he's just this dude who got his heart she's, operated on. Yeah, she when she leaves the science lab, uh she's going to go talk to him or something. And so he follows her because that's what he does this whole movie is follows her around. And uh when she leaves, he touches the guy's chest and he gets like this satisfied look on his face. And then when he pulls his hand away, he's like, I know you're there. And so at this point, we don't have any clue if this guy is important to the story or anything. So it just seemed like a random guy talking to the angel. Mm-hmm. And he thought it was weird, but I don't think he talks to him at this point. It's later in the movie that he makes himself visible. And then, yeah, there's a scene. I don't remember exactly what happened where the other doctor that she's banging is just like a huge jerk. Is that um, the tick and- scene? Could be, yeah. 
there's because he he shows up at their house or she's late she shows up late and he's like got them all oh yeah yeah that's what it was and the dog's got a tick and they have that whole conversation and yeah he's kind of standoffish he's kind of short with her but she's also being kind of weird at the same time and so yeah she's like receptive to it like he's being a jerk but she seems like it's not a turn off no yeah which is weird and then they like have sex or it's like implied sex and nick cage is there he's there during the tick scene and like for this whole argument Mm -hmm. and so my next note was does he watch them have sex it certainly seemed like it Mm. which is weird um yeah then my next note was messinger not messenger used to be an angel because it's just a little on the nose that that would be his name and i should have probably caught that right away when they said his name (laughs) um so yeah it's revealed that he used to be an angel and he goes through this whole spiel with uh with uh seth talking about how you know just like god gave humans free will he gave angels free will too except that he doesn't tell them they have free will or give them any information about it at all so unless you're just like i think i'm gonna become a fallen angel and a human and and do some arbitrary thing which in this case is literally falling. Yeah, um, it's unclear how like he found out about it. Right. You don't find out about it unless you're told about it by somebody. There's no like angel rumors yeah. that's you know are passed around or anything. So yeah, he 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 decided to become human because he fell in love with somebody, and uh, you know, so Honestly, now he feels his plot is like the most interesting part of the movie for me. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely a, a really interesting character in the movie. Yeah. And then my next note is skinny dipping. I don't remember when that happened. Yeah, so Seth takes Nathaniel, uh, Mr. Messinger, out oh, like, yeah, yeah. a day on the town, and they go freaking everywhere. And the whole time he's wearing his hospital gown, the whole time they're like at a, a diner. So maybe an awkward diner scene. It perhaps. wasn't awkward, though. I thought no. it was a little bit. I mean, the dude's no. sitting there in his hospital robes. I mean, I guess you could make an argument for that. We didn't. We didn't mark that one off, but it wouldn't. It would have made any difference for us on ours anyway. But in our in Cajo, yeah. Um, but yeah, they they end up at the. Uh, he asks if the angels still gather at sunrise. You know, and Seth goes every day, and, and he says, wants to go. Yeah. yeah, and so he knows that he can't see the angels. He can't hear the sun because they can hear the sun. He goes, but you know what I can do. I can feel this. And he like takes his shoes off and he's in the sand. And he goes and he gets naked and starts swimming in the water. Like, I don't know, a day or two after he's had literal open heart surgery. Yeah. Uh, which is a pretty big deal. I actually, there was a moment where I thought he was going to die in the, in the water. Yeah, me or too. Or on the beach at least. Yeah, I me really too. Because like the swimming that's why, sequences go on Because that would explain, that would have also explained why Nick Cage's character was there with him. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, that would have worked. You know, they could have made it seem like it's just Seth choosing to follow these people, but that it's actually like a fate mm-hmm. that he's fated to follow these people, even if he thinks he's in control of it. Right. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. That would probably made for a more interesting movie. Um, but yeah, yeah. My next note is that Cage is at peak charisma in this movie, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think somewhere in here, it really started to set in how like top of the world i mean this was late 90s he was doing this is when he did his holy trinity in movies yep you know this like he was on top of the world at this point yeah um, he was, he was getting movie. ready to do superman i think around this time yeah 
Uh, so I mean, yeah, it was he was doing well at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, peak charisma. Uh, yes, and my next note is that CGI is real bad. I don't remember where they were. Oh, it was like a ten gallon hat or something. The, the two of them are sitting on top of like this cowboy sign. Yeah, which is like was, a yeah, hat. It looked really bad. It looked really horrible. Yeah. Um, and then he meets a dog and he talks to a dog. Whose dog was that? Was that her dog? I don't remember which dog he talks to. I've there's a dog. Him, but... There's a dog, and it like loves him right away. And he's and he tells the person like I can't. I thought I think it's Maggie's dog, and he like tells Maggie that the dog is happy and something else. Yeah, it must which have been was her interesting. Dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have Nick Gage makeout sesh for my next next note. Yeah, that's some hardcore kissing right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I was expecting, so I, I rented the movie on Amazon and because um, that was just the easiest option for me. And it says, you know, nudity and, and sexual something or others. And I was like, oh, okay. So maybe we're going to get, you know, Nick Cage butt again or something like that yeah. or, or whatever. And when you know, were doing, there's like the sex scene, the, there's like a sex scene and they're doing the big makeout stuff. And really the only nudity in the movie is Dennis Franz's butt. Yeah, that's there true. Is a, there is a side shot of Nick, but I don't know if that counts or not. Oh, you can see it though. Can you? I, I it was a little fast and I didn't roll it. We'll back, talk about so. that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, I rolled it back. Uh, no, just kidding. I didn't. Freeze frame. Freeze frame. Uh, enhance. So I don't remember what she was doing in this scene, but Maggie dri- she drives a sob, and at some point she parks it somewhere and just leaves the window down and windows down and just goes inside. And as a car guy, that really bothers me. I guess I grew up in a different place in a you know different. Where I was, I was taught to always make sure your car is locked and your windows are up when you leave. And so it really bothered me that she would, I guess she's a doctor and she's got money. So, you know, if somebody steals her shit, she can just buy another one. Maybe it's such a bad part of town that if you leave your windows down, then at least they won't break your windows. I mean, that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um, so there's a scene where, oh, the, so after the surgery, Messinger's wife plans a party mm-hmm. to celebrate. And uh, he, she invites uh, Maggie, yep. who also who invites Seth, because she thinks Seth and Messinger are friends. Because that's right. how that's how they were introduced. Like to, that's how she thought. right. She saw him outside his room. Right. Um. So he they go to the party, and man, this is so awkward. I don't know. It was awkward to me. Maybe it wasn't to you, but there's this kid oh. that is, I like in Seth's face. Like when I say in his face, it's like an inch away from kissing him on the mouth uh like for an extended period of time she can see him she can see him but everybody can see him at this point because he's not making himself but she sees what i mean by that is she can tell that he's different sure but she's like right up in his grill and no other kid in the movie does that so i don't know if this is just a kid with some sort of uh Spatial well, awareness disorder? Or... I, no, I think it's Messinger's kid. So it's half angel. Or a there's going to be a spinoff Vader. where this is Constantine or City, something. City a kid grows up angels. to be. Yeah. Descendant um, of angels. Somebody <laughs> takes a picture of him at this party. Yeah. And like with a Polaroid camera. And when the camera develops it, he just looks like a, like the sun. As there's like a huge flash there. I was curious yeah. how they were going to handle that. I was I wasn't sure if he was just going to be like he wasn't even there, like a vampire type situation or pure light. They went with pure yeah. light. 
so at this point, uh, he starts talking to the kid and he hangs out with the kid. And so I checked off the befriends of minor yeah. at this point. You could have already done that. I feel like in the beginning of the movie when he walks with the kid, I was but on the that fence was a pretty, about it. Then it was a pretty quick scene. This one yeah. was more of an extended scene where he definitely seems like he was getting along with the kid. So yeah, that, we were like we're checking that box at this point. That counts. Um, so at her house, Maggie's house, uh, Seth is there with her. They go to her house after the party. And uh, she asks him, she's kind of figuring out that something's going on with him at this point. Even though she's a doctor and is very smart, she still hasn't figured it out up to this point. Because she well, has a conversation with Metzinger at the party, and he says something about how he hasn't told her yet or something like that. And uh, well, so she's starting to figure stuff out. He tells a different story. He yeah. says you know, that he does construction and, oh, yeah, you know, Seth works with me and, oh, he's like a courier, courier for us. Like the story starts to unravel. But she, I mean, come on, she's she's an analytical, logical driven doctor in this world. So her first instinct isn't going to believe that this dude's a legit angel. I guess. But uh, anyway, she asked him his last name and he looks at a plate. It says plate. So that's the level we're at with this movie at this point. But then you have the knife scene. This is the knife scene. Oh, yeah. So I don't think I have a note on that one. The knife scene was kind of cool. So he's helping her make a salad. She asks him to cut up the lettuce. And he, you know, nips Misses. the finger. Yeah. And she kind of notices. And... But he doesn't actually bleed. It Like, the camera right. does some weird work where it looks like it kind of pushes the finger down or something, but it doesn't actually cut it. It was kind of cool. Uh, and so she then actually straight up tries to, to hurt him with a knife. To yeah, prove. she like cuts his hand and or tries to cut his hand. He's trying to hide it and stuff like that, you know, and there's no blood or anything like that. And she starts to freak out. Yes. Which I think is a fair response. If you find a, a person who's seemingly human who can't bleed, that's that's weird. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, my next note, I don't really know why I needed to state this, but the angel in love with human so I guess maybe at this point it was kind of shown that he was really in love with her. He wasn't just like obsessed with her or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then at the same time, Angel by Sarah McLaughlin starts playing, which is a <laughs> yeah. little on the nose. <laughs> There's my like dogs four start... Angel songs in this movie, My dog man. started getting depressed hearing it because, you know, they're used to seeing the commercials <laughs> on TV with like the really sad dogs that need to be adopted playing that song. Mm. But my dogs are adopted and are rescues, so... Eat it, Sarah McLaughlin. Sam. Just kidding. I'm Sam. sure she's wonderful. And mine needs um, to join the podcast. So. <laughs> that's right. Mine don't because they're noisy. Um, <laughs> well, my dog's. So don't. this is something maybe you can uh, shed some light on for me. So early in the movie, I noticed this, but it kind of kept going. I didn't know if it was like a just like something I was reading too much into early on, but it was kind of a thread that carried through the whole movie. So in this movie, the angels all wear black. Yes like trench coats not really trench coats but kind of like trench coat styled like velour velvety coats and then a lot of the humans that they interact with are including maggie are wearing white it, the majority of the movie yeah um maggie's wearing like a lab coat but then even a lot of the the clothes that she chooses are white mm -hmm. so you think there's anything that they're trying to say thematically with the color choices there because it doesn't seem like just coincidence to me that they would put a heavenly body, an angel that's normally portrayed as wearing white into black, and then put the humans that they're trying to help in white. So I kind of took it as twofold. One, there's just the, the cinematography standpoint of wanting it to be starkly clear 
who an angel is and who a human is. Cause they have all of these sweeping shots, right? All over the city, all over these yeah. different locations. And there's all of these angels and it's always extremely clear who the angels are. So I think that's number one, just at a very base level. Yeah. Number two is I think the color, the, the, the specific colors are supposed to represent Nick Cage's view of the i guess universe for lack of a better term here you know the grass is always greener concept he sees humans as something to strive for something to be something that he feels is missing in his own life and so that's like this beacon that is kind of calling to him gotcha well i had similar thoughts so i'm glad it wasn't just me that thought that was interesting but um that was kind of a cool little detail. Definitely. So then we get to the uh, to the stormy night, which we've already kind of talked about, where there were some consent issues there, where she like wants him to be there, and she says, you know, don't leave me, and then he crawls into bed with her and just big spoons her and like rubs her all over, but he's not in the for- not in the sense that like she can't see him. Well, because they have this big blow up, and she doesn't want. She says she doesn't want to see him anymore, but he still kind of hangs out, and she can sense that he's there sometimes. Yeah. Right. And so that gets kind of weird. It's like they more weird up, consent issues. Yeah. But they, you know, still text each other. <laughs> and and she, he still fondles her at night. Ugh. Yeah. It's cuddling, um, Ryan. It's just cuddling. Not if her own person doesn't want it to be. And it's over the clothes cuddling. That's what it that's. Is. Yeah. That's sexual assault is I think what that comes down to. If one person isn't like saying do that to me. Um. Anyway, so she figures out at some point that baby from earlier that the dumpster baby she figures out what's wrong with it and she runs in to tell this other doctor that was apparently too stupid to figure it out what the problem was and so she has her first good night of sleep yes because she was being big spooned by nick cage which i think would help everybody anybody have a good night of sleep (laughs) but um yeah so she she tells this lady and the lady's like oh my god i think you're right and they rush the baby to surgery so more more depressing baby surgery um basically the the baby's nasal passages were blocked so the kid couldn't sleep because it couldn't right. breathe yeah i know that apparently requires nasal surgery to, to it's a little weird that nobody in the pediatric maternity ward figured that out like, you would think people that would deal with babies day in and day out would have some idea of that but apparently yeah. none of them have ever heard of that before she had to scour textbooks to like learn that one thing um and then the jerk doctor proposes to her. So that's the thing. But it doesn't really show what she says, does it? Well, yeah. So so he, he proposes in the locker room, in the women's yeah, locker room. really romantic. No ring. Uh, and he just talks about how they can finally go up to her, her uncle's place in Tahoe. Uh, yeah, he seems kind of oblivious to the fact that she's feeling like this is not fulfilling. So to be fair, she does still act like she likes him quite a bit. So... It's a little unclear what's going on. She's clearly having a tough time and he doesn't really seem to notice all that much, but she says that she'll think about it. Yeah. So at this point, Nick is thinking of falling. Because he's pretty convinced sure. that she's going to marry him. Yes. Marry Ferris. And we'd, we'd already seen or heard that Messinger was a fallen angel. So at this point, I started to wonder of the logistics of how this works. Because so let's say seth falls right decides to be a fallen angel how does he then get a social security number how does he get any kind of identity he he doesn't 
So Metzinger has no health insurance because he doesn't exist and he's still getting treated at a hospital and he might have health insurance at this point because so what here's the way he explains it is that it's it's like impossible to get a job because you have no history you're not like a person but because he was an angel he's not afraid of heights and so he didn't mind doing the really high steel beam work uh, on skyscrapers during construction. Sure, but who's going to hire you without a social security number? I mean, in the nineties, well, things were different. I mean, blue-collared, hardworking jobs like that hire a lot of people, no questions asked, if they're willing to put in the work. Um, in fact, a lot of the backbone of our economy is built on those exact people. Um, and we don't. We also don't know how long Nathaniel has been human. Right. right that's fair so like that's also kind of unclear is how like how young was he when this happened and so when did he start doing this stuff and, and things of that nature there are ways to get you know a social security number and stuff like so that. you're saying that these angels when they fall they go through back channels and like illegal dealings to get a social security number that's I'm your theory i'm saying it's an option we also don't know a that has this happened a bunch of times or does like God provide them? them with a social yeah. security number when they fall? Maybe, maybe that's maybe they doing. woke up with a wallet and it has like a new driver's license and stuff like that. It's in part there. of your severance package when you yeah. the angel group, but it also depends like what country you're in too. I assume that's true. Like if they fall all over totally the world. Different. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, my next note is, uh, is a quote. Meg Ryan tells Nick Cage that he is, so, you are so beautiful. She beautiful. says to Nick Cage, yeah. And I thought that was a delightful thing. She was speaking for the whole audience on that. And so, yeah, then he decides to fall. And my next note was that, man, they take fallen angel really seriously because he literally just goes literally. to a high place and like falls off. Yeah. It's a, it's a literal falling. Yeah. Um, and then after he falls, he's like bleeding and stuff. And we start to get our first hints of caginess in this movie. Because he starts laughing and just like he's Licking bloody and stuff. And, yeah. yeah. And these other construction workers are just that are up there just making fun of him because he fell onto like a scaffolding. Mm-hmm. He fell like 20 feet onto a scaffolding. And yeah, they're just they call him Sleeping Beauty and tell him to wake up instead of like calling for an emergency service because he's unconscious on their scaffolding and not supposed to be there. Yeah, they just want um, him to leave. Yeah. Yeah. But he just starts doing some cagey stuff, laughing um oh and one of the uh, construction workers is nick offerman how fun was that he gets yeah. a line and everything two shots one line i know he was uh yeah i bet i wonder i would like to ask him about this role just to see like what his thoughts were because you know this is really early on in his career probably one yeah. of his first like real roles and uh so i'm sure he has some uh you know fun memories of this movie it's a great exchange because he basically nick is like is this blood and Nick Offerman goes, is it red? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that was good. Um, uh, are you looking up Nick Offerman? I, am, I, am, I, am. I knew it. I'm just curious. You know, I like this kind of stuff. So his first it was not his first credit by any means. Uh, he had four things before this, but it was definitely his first like big like movie that yeah. he was in. He had been in an episode of ER um, and Kablam! Which was an old Nickelodeon Nickelodeon show, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Nice. So it was definitely like his first big role, especially with like a big starring actor. On like a major film and everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um then we get uh Nick dances off of the off of our KJO bingo. 
He starts dancing in the street. That should be another one that we need to add to our Joe Bingo is that he's just walking or doing something in the middle of the street instead of on the sidewalk. Because <laughs> he's done that in a lot of movies, too. That's funny. Um, but yeah, he just starts dancing in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like kind of a, one of our only cagey things to happen in this movie, unfortunately, yeah, along it's, with it's that limited. laugh. Yeah. Um, and then he gets robbed. I don't know. It just says Angel gets robbed. So I don't yeah. know. So he's, try- he's trying to get so he's trying to get the Tahoe. Because that's where he thinks uh, Dr. Uh, Rice went to go get married to Jordan Ferris. And so he's trying to get a ride and he's hitchhiking and this car pulls up and he just goes over and goes, he goes, hello. And then they all get out of the car and beat the shit out of him and steal his boots because he doesn't yeah. have anything else. Yeah. Sad scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my next note is Basset Hound. Uh, because apparently he showed a oh, basset hound. The trucker, yeah. There's a trucker who gives him a ride that has a basset hound. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like basset hounds. They're one of my favorite yeah. dogs, so I always love it when I see him somewhere. And then my next note is so much rain. Yeah, it so rains. There's a lot of rain. Well, I think you know the the angel world is sad to have lost one of their own. Sure. So God makes it rain. That's right. Um. God yeah. Being at the loss. I have such a '90s soundtrack for my next note because it was a very very '90s. Lots of big hit '90s songs. As long uh, as Angel, the word Angel. Yeah, was it anywhere somewhere? in the title? Yeah, or in the song? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's basically, because he knows that she was supposed to be getting married to this other guy and that they're going to Tahoe, he's headed to Tahoe to try and stop her or whatever, you know, see what's happened at the very least. So he shows up to Tahoe and we see her alone in this cabin. So my next note was, where's the boyfriend she's supposed to be there with? And it's explained that he didn't come. She came alone. That's a nice house, by the way. Very nice. She's a doctor. Well, it's not hers. Um, it's her uncle's. Oh, that's right. that's right. And so then we get the fallen angel sex scene, which is really weird. Like, they're like, it's not missionary. They're like facing each other, but sitting down. I don't know if there's a name for that. I'm sure there is. But <laughs> she's like, it looks like she's like jerking him off at first. And then she like moves in closer. And he he like does this does this lip bite. Did you see, did you notice that? At one point he like bites his lip, like you know when women do it seductively. Apparently he he thought he could get away with it, and it was kind of sexy to be honest. But <laughs> I mean he does this really seductive lip bite, looking at her when she like mounts him. Mm-hmm. It was funny. It was just a really weird sex scene. It's like she's teaching a five year old to have sex. Essentially, I mean that's a creepy way of putting it, but sure. Well, I mean, how else do you describe it? Somebody that's completely uh, has no idea, even though he's watched it happen <laughs> at this point. It's cl- you know. I would have said it's closer to Forrest Gump, for example. Okay, sure. Yeah, well, more like a learning disabled person. That's what you're saying. He's. A, I'm just. He's an adult. Is all. Yeah, I'm I think saying. either okay. one is equally problematic to say. How about fair, that? Fair enough. Um. So yeah, then we get a postcoital mountain viewing cuddle. Where they're just like hanging out on the balcony, staring at the mountains uh, after making love. And then she makes a comment about how they have the rest of their lives to be together. Which instantly should have been a red flag. (laughs) Okay, so but at this point, this is one of the the times when it's like, okay, the movie could have ended. Yeah, right. I think a a typical rom-com movie would have ended somewhere in here. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it does not. And so I was like, okay, we still got like 30 minutes left. What is happening? So then we, he gets into the shower. This is his first shower as a human. 
And so picture a completely naked Nick Cage stepping into the shower. And then when the water hits him, he like jumps back and turns. And I'm pretty sure my next one is I'm pretty sure I saw some cage penis. He had to this, wearing one of the sleeve sock things. There's I no feel way. like, I don't know, but there was definitely like a swinging dick I saw for like, you know, it's like just for a split second, but it's kind of like Terminator, right? Where you, when he's naked and he gets up and you can see like the outline of his stuff for a second. <laughs> but in this case, it was like he flipped. Like, I, I'm wondering if Nick just like flipped and didn't realize his dung was going to like flop out everywhere. Physics, Nick, it's physics. I mean, in general, I think like nowadays actors wear like a flesh colored yeah. G string essentially, so that doesn't happen. But this seems like that didn't happen in this movie. You know, Maybe they not. definitely wanted some dick flop. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I. Oh, well, wait, wait, was there a scene in Zandali where you thought where we could see like a little penis? I think so, but that movie had like a ton of nudity. Yeah, there's a lot of nudity. This one was much different, and yeah. it was seems unintentional. Though I don't know how it got past them. Maybe they just couldn't reshoot it. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, th- then we get the nice helicopter shot over the woods. It's like five minutes long, just like a helicopter flying through the woods around the house, which I thought was a, a weird use of a helicopter shot. But hey, you know it's an establishing shot, I guess. There you go. So she, while Nick Cage is like waking up in the morning she decides to go out and get some pears because well, she wants that... to make him breakfast yeah yeah so she goes out to get some food and she's like riding her bike and loving life and the world is so happy and the sun's out and I guess you know we did kind of gloss over that she rides her bike to and to the hospital yes when she's working and she's pretty um reckless i guess yes. would be the appropriate word yeah and so she goes and gets all her groceries and she's headed back and a logging truck pulls out in front of her. She's doing all of these like arms wide open, eyes closed. Yeah, she's like so happy, right? Like biking. Like she she never wears a helmet, so you know her her ex fiance likes to smoke. She doesn't wear a helmet. These these are doctors, surgeons, but they keep cutting back and forth between her not looking at the road and Nick like doing whatever at the house. So he's in the shower, getting dressed, whatever, waiting for her sitting down. He's all very like excited, you know, to have yeah. this meal with, with her and everything. And then, right. and then a logging truck pulls out in front of her and she apparently can't stop her bike. It's all in slow motion. We get to watch the horror she in her eyes. Final smashed, destination. Smashed by this logging truck. And we see a dead Meg Ryan and somehow Seth can sense that this has happened and he runs all the way down to where the wreck happened and starts like crying and being emotional because he just like gave up eternal life for this woman and now she's dead. By the way, huge continuity error at this point because the truck's on the wrong side of the road. So when we're watching the actual accident, the truck is pulling out from right to left when she hits it. And when we have the aftermath of it, the truck is going the other direction. Yeah, okay. I'm just Um, just saying, that's a big one. That's all I'm saying. So then we get a rainy funeral. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, And then apparently he's just living at her uncle's house now. Well, no, I think he's back at her house. Is that what it was? Oh, yeah, he lives at her house now. But this is also very problematic because, like, how? She's dead. And he's just like living at her house, but, but how, her, he doesn't have any money. How does he pay rent? 
how does he own it? Like he has, it's her house. I'm sure it was willed to next of kin or somebody or something. You and if think. not, then it goes up to auction or whatever. No, it goes to the angel that falls. <laughs> um, yeah. So at this point I was really trying to figure out what this movie was, was, which seems to be a common thread for a lot of these movies. Like if it had ended when we talked about earlier, then it would have been pretty standard, like nineties romantic comedy. Um, but when she dies and it's just, you know, depressing. Like, what was this movie trying to be? What was the message it was trying to get across? What was the overall intention of this movie? Because I, I still can't really figure it out. I think it's key... not a romantic comedy or like a romantic <laughs> movie at all at this point. It's a romance film. I think the key is the final conversation between Cassiel and Seth. When Seth is at the house by himself and it's late at night and he's all depressed. He knows that Cassiel is there. He's like, I can see you or whatever. I know you're here. And Cassiel reveals himself and they have, and Seth is furious at him at first. Like, were you the one who took her? Yada, yada, yada. Like he had a choice. Like, cause right. he know he knows how it works. It's not like they choose to kill the person. That's not what they do, but whatever. He's mad. And Cassiel asks him, he goes, well, you know, knowing what you know now, you know, would you have still done it? <clears throat> and Nick mentions that a laundry list of one time things would have been enough. Right. One, you know, whiff of her hair, one touch of whatever. Right. And the idea is, I think, supposed to be that the opportunity to experience her as a human was worth everything and so i think the moral of the story that we're supposed to take away is the human experience is what we should be appreciating what we should be focusing on and whatever comes later doesn't really matter we we should live for today i think it's a stretch but it's a better explanation than what i have so there you go that's how the movie ends so i gotta well actually the movie ends at a different point than that the movie ends with nick cage going to the beach yeah and running out into the water like uh messinger did earlier but that ties into what i'm saying it has to do with experience the human experience the things that the angels can't do right they don't feel the sand beneath their toes or the cold of the water or anything like that none of that is experienced by them they're almost like ghosts just kind of passing through our world for eons. And so I think really the moral is that, you know, human life is short and fragile, but it is also deep and rich and you should experience it. And the experience is worth the pain is supposed to be the idea. Whether or not you agree with that, of course, is your own personal perspective. But I think that's what the movie is trying to say. Okay. Well, that's how the movie ends. And he does get a little cagey face while he's swimming. I'm sure it was um, cold. Probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the end of the movie. And that's it. Yeah. So now we got to rate it. So we rate our movies on two different scales, quality and caginess, zero through 20, 20 is high, zero is low. Ryan on quality for city of angels. Where would you rate it? Where would I, where did I put it could happen to you? All right, so It Could Happen to You is our second episode, for those who are curious. You gave it a 12. Okay, I'm going to give this an 11, because I didn't enjoy it as much as uh, It Could Happen to You. 
but it was still pretty it was like it was an, a little bit better than average i would say i think that's really fair uh i was actually going to give it a 10 okay right in the middle it's, it's a totally fine it's fine yeah i think the internet might hate us or certain specific people might hate us for that because apparently it's a fairly revered movie of his but yeah i don't really agree i mean it it's, a, it's got a six i like his performance i like his performance in it i'll say that but maybe if i was rating his performance specifically i'd probably rate it higher than that but overall there, the movie would be you know wasn't that great there are things I like concepts that I like about it. Um, I think you're right. They're like having him have such a different role was a breath yeah. of fresh air. It was a nice. Agreed. Change of pace. I definitely enjoyed it. So. Yeah. It was, what yeah. do you think for KGness, Derek? Pretty low, man. There is very, like you said, you know, there's, there's a little bit of the dancing, there's the laugh. Um, you know, I don't want to get like, I'm not going to give it a zero or anything like that. Uh, but I'm thinking maybe like, I'm thinking a three, which is what I gave Racing with the Moon. I don't remember Racing with the Moon. Which one was that? The one where uh, he's going to go off to the Marines or whatever to fight in the war. He play, works at the bowling alley. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the period piece, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty similar to that in terms of KG, just because there's like one KG scene in that movie, mm-hmm. and that was about it. So yeah, I'd probably say like a four. I'd probably be right in there with you. That's what you gave racing with the moon. Yeah, so pretty similar. Okay. So a 10 and a half on quality. So right in the middle there and a three and a half on caginess, which kind of actually puts it all alone as far as cage movies are concerned. So that's very interesting. So, all right. So there's that Um, kind of the last bit on the to do is to find out which Nicholas cage movie is going to replace city of angels on the wheel and i guess we'll actually have to do two of these because of werewolf women of the ss so the first one to join the wheel is now uh, we got national treasure book of secrets and we have decided the two of us that whenever we get something that has a sequel we're going to cover the first movie f- yeah first. so we're just going to so, put the first national treasure movie on there national treasure the yeah. second movie to join the wheel is going to be the any bully the any bully the ant bully it's probably supposed to be the ant bully i think that's a typo on my part i'm pretty sure the movie is the ant bully um so the ant bully and national treasure uh are going to join the wheel the ant bully is one of his few animated outings so it's a voice uh voice part so there's there's that from 2006 for those who don't know. So those two are going to join the wheel. You'll have to go to comingofcage.com to find the wheel O cage to find out which movie we will be watching next based on the wheel spin. So you can do that comingofcage.com. Ryan, anything else for City of Angels or Werewolf Women of the SS? No, I think we covered pretty much all of it. Awesome. All right. Well, that's us then. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. We're the Coming of Cage podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching. If you watched us, you can go and do that. Always good. Feel free to comment. You can review. Reviews are always nice. If you review us, we'll read your review on the show. That's Coming right. Nick will, all right. Derek will do it in a cage uh, voice. So. I'm not promising that. Not that promising is something that. he promised off the air. So. Nope. Nope. Didn't happen. But Did thank happen. you all. Yep. Love your support. We'll catch you next time.